you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. Here's your host, Marcus Grant. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, still masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And we've got a very full Friday show for you. As always, Michael F. Florio will come and join us. We will recap what happened in Santa Clara on Thursday Night Football. We'll give you some best value draft picks for your daily fantasy lineups this week. And we'll also ask our nerd about quarterback play since the year 2000. We got that and plenty more in this show, but as we always do about this time, we'll talk to our faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. And, and Murph, uh, Notre Dame, you guys are playing in the marquee college football game of the weekend. You got to be excited about that one. I am uh, ultra jacked up, um, you know, besides the fact that the Pac-12 was coming back to see your Trojans play, and it's a conference I love watching. Glad about that. But, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously I, I want Trevor Lawrence healthy, and I want to play Trevor Lawrence. I want to beat the best. It's always better to do that. It feels better. But um, the funny thing about <clears throat> college football is, like, so, you know, the Cowboys have a, their quarterbacks go down, and their backups are, you know, mediocre to below average. 
college football, you know, DJ steps in. He's a five-star recruit. He used, he was the top quarterback in the, you know, the recruiting class. Like he's a good player. So it's not like you get, you know, you're not, there's not that much drop off like you see in the NFL. So, um, you know, they, I got to hope for some turnovers from, from DJ and that just the Notre Dame offensive line controls the, uh, the clock and they just pound uh, Clemson. I think it'll be a really, really good game uh, despite Trevor Lawrence not playing. It's, it's amazing to watch some of these college programs just retool at quarterback. I mean, look at the, the run Alabama went through. Uh, the fact that Oklahoma put out back-to-back Heisman winners, and they've got another guy who's right. in the running for the Heisman this year. Like, it, it is it is a different world in college football that they can just retool. But, uh, yeah, it's, this should be a lot of fun. So uh, I'm sure you're going to be locked in for this one. And, and this, look, it, it takes your mind off of, off of Sunday too, right? Uh, that's that's exactly right. Yeah, I don't have to worry about the Giants uh, as much. <laughs> Although the funny thing is, it's it's the one uh, team. Washington's the team that Daniel Jones does beat. It's only them and the Bucks, <laughs> and we just missed on beating the Bucks. So um, I, I do expect the, a, a Giants victory. Um, but I will be honest, I am hoping more for a Notre Dame victory. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll see what I get out of this weekend. No, I appreciate that. I mean, you know, Notre Dame, I think has a, uh, they have more to play for, I think, at this point in the season than the Giants sure. do. So uh, I, I understand sort of pushing your chips under that part of the table. So uh, <laughs> we will check it out. Should be a fun weekend of college football, no doubt. Uh, let's turn now to the NFL. And to help us do that, we'll bring in our pal Michael F. Florio. And uh, I know, Florio, for you, and we've talked about this, college football in, in your part of the country isn't necessarily a big thing. But uh, is there something in particular this weekend that you are looking forward to? Well, yeah, um, outside of sports, maybe, but also um, the Mets now are are officially going to be owned, it looks like, as today, by the richest (laughs) owner in baseball, a guy who can flip the Yankees if he wanted to just for fun. So uh, I'm pretty excited about that this week, and that's going to have me pretty excited. Yeah, I did. I never got a chance to ask you about that. Steve Cohen taking over. I mean, that... uh... That's that's got to feel nice. It's it's a little bit liberating for you guys. There's there's hope at least uh, in in Metsville right now. Yeah, I'm going from hoping to get like a B le- one B level free agent each winter to like this year. I'm like spend everything. Like let's get everyone because it's actually possible. It's uh, it is a brand new day in Queens for the Mets. So uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, let us turn to what happened last night. In Santa Clara, it was not pretty if you were a 49er fan. It was great for Packers fans. Green Bay gets a 34-17 win that was uh, pretty easy, a game that was pretty much over by halftime. But you look at the top scorers from that game. Richie James maybe the biggest surprise. Nine catches, 184 yards, and a touchdown. That was better than 33 points. Uh, Devontae Adams doing Devontae Adams things with 10 for 173 and a touchdown. And then Aaron Rodgers having just a very smooth night. 305 passing yards and four touchdowns in that one. Uh, but, but let's let's talk about Devontae Adams. I mean, I, I think we just need a moment to sort of appreciate what is going on with him right now. I mean, this is a guy who basically missed two and a half games because of injury. He's also had a bye week so far this season. And as we talk right now, recording this show, Devontae Adams is the wide receiver one. I know, Florio, sometimes we can be prisoners of the moment. We can sort of revert to the last thing we've seen. But, I mean, really, should we be talking about Devontae Adams as a fantasy MVP right now? Yeah, I think so. And that just shows you how well he's playing right now because this is a guy who is a first-round pick. So 
typically, if you're taken in the first round, it's hard for us to view you as the fantasy MVP because you were already expected to, you know, put up big numbers. And it more often than not, you just live up to those expectations rather than exceed them. But Devontae Adams is greatly exceeding them. Like, he's played six games this year. And in four of them, he scored over 30 points and two of them over 40. And if you take away week two where he left early due to injury, well, he's averaging over 30 points per game right now. That is unheard of. Like Michael Thomas was amazing last year. One of the best fantasy wide receiver seasons we've ever had. He didn't put up numbers like this. So it just shows you right now, like how good and how consistent Devontae Adams is playing. Coming into the season, there were a lot of people, I, I was one of them, who had Devontae Adams pegged as the number one receiver in fantasy. And, and then he gets hurt. And so I, I kind of in my head, I'm, I'm watching him perform. And I'm thinking, OK, my narrative at the end of the year will be, hey, he had a really good year and he could have been the wide receiver one except for blank. We might not have to put in the the disclaimer anymore. I mean, because the way he's playing, the way Rodgers is throwing him the football, and let's make no mistake, Aaron Rodgers is playing great football too right now. These two are clicking on a level that it really is possible that Devontae Adams ends up as the wide receiver one and, and won't have played anywhere close to 16 games. That is absolutely incredible. And it I think it reassures people because the, the top of the first round in fantasy drafts has been just an abject nightmare, right? I mean, we're, we're probably getting Christian McCaffrey back, but Saquon's gone for the year. Uh, Michael Thomas has been just missing for a while. Uh, Zeke is now struggling because the Cowboys offense has gone bad. You go to the end of the first round. I mean, if, if people took Kenyon Drake, they're frustrated. Uh, you know, if anybody pegged Joe Mixon at the back end of the first round, they're frustrated. So having Austin Devontae Adams... Adams yeah, right, exactly. I mean, having so having Devontae Adams go in here and produce, he and Alvin Kamara are like the two guys, and I guess Derrick Henry are like the three guys that are kind of saving your first round right now because otherwise uh, it's been an absolute nightmare picking guys early in your draft. Um, on the flip side, the 49ers, I mean, look, they were just depleted between injuries and, and COVID restrictions and that sort of thing. That offense was completely depleted. The one guy we thought you could count on was going to be Jamichael Hasty because he had been running well. The Packer run defense uh, had not been playing well this year. We didn't see much of Hasty. We saw a lot of Jarek McKinnon, who had an okay night. So now what? What do we make of, of how Kyle Shanahan used his running backs, and, and what can we do to kind of apply that going forward? I, I think we have to just root for Raheem Mostert to come back because when <laughs> Mostert was here, like – this backfield was at least a little bit more predictable, right? Like he was going to get the carries and some, a couple, maybe a handful of targets a week, but McKinnon was going to play the pass catching role there. And since he's gone down, it's really become a guessing game. It, it reminds me a lot of the Rams offense, right? Like Kyle Shanahan's run game is it, still effective. Like if you started Jarek McKinnon last night, you're feeling pretty good today, I think, but it, it just becomes so unpredictable week to week right now that while it is a good system for production, we just don't know who is going to be the productive back. And so much for, you know, McKinnon's tired legs and them needing to give him a break because <laughs> on a short week, he was just the one out there playing three quarters of the snaps. And I trusted Hasty. I was advising people to play Hasty. My bad on that. I will say, though, I think Hasty deserves some blame here, too. Like the little bit of opportunity that he has gotten these last couple of weeks. He just hasn't done a whole lot with it. So I think if he was more productive, then he would be the back maybe that we were talking about tonight. I think kind of him not living up to those expectations that we set for him led for Shanahan to be like, all right, well, I got to get my veteran that I know is at least reliable in. 
I think there's there's a lot of merit to that. And and you talk about the snap share, 39 for McKinnon, just 14 for Hasty. And a couple of people noted that there was a play early in the game where it looked like Hasty might have run the wrong way, that the you know the, the quarterback uh, Nick Mullins went to hand it off and and McKinnon or a Hasty wasn't there. And so that may have impacted how many snaps he played. Uh, I also think it's it's sort of fair to remember. I know we get excited about these guys who move up the depth chart and suddenly you know ex- experience an opportunity and maybe succeed at least for a week or two in that opportunity. But I think it's also fair to remember there's also a reason that some of these guys were lower on the depth chart to begin with, that there are still things that they're working through, that there are things that they're trying to learn. There are mistakes that we don't see necessarily on game day that are happening in practice. And so it's great to see a guy like Jamichael Hasty run effectively and run hard, but there's also a reason to remember why he was on the practice squad for quite a while. There's some things that he's still working out, so maybe we take that into it. But I, I'm also with you that once Raheem Mostert comes back, hopefully that solves some of these problems um, and that makes everything better. But uh, this was a, a pure case of Shanahanigans, I think, coming to uh, to rear its ugly head uh, in a matchup that seemed really, really good for Jamichael Hasty. Um, at this point, though, look, we're, we're waiting on Mostert. We've probably lost George Kittle for the rest of the year. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be out for an extended period of time. We'll see what happens with the wide receivers. How many 49ers would you want to have on your roster for the rest of the year now? It's slim pickings. Like, it, it's Mostert. I think it. I think Jerk McKinnon is the one that I, I would want because – he, he has a role as the pass-catching specialist there, even when Mostert comes back. And, and again, Mostert's been in and out of the lineup all year. So I think McKinnon is one that you would want to hold. And then, mate, whichever one comes back first, of Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk, like, they, they were seeing volume at least before they, they had to miss time. So, but right now, and I would say Jordan Reed is, like, on that when, when he is healthy because – I wish I saw this report earlier. I started Jordan Reed in a couple of weeks. I didn't see it till after the game that it was reported that he was going to play around 10 snaps last night. And that's what he did. He played, I believe, 12 snaps and two targets. It just wasn't a good night for him. But I do think that next week now after this, you know, mini bye week that they get after playing on Thursday night, he will be fully good to go. And who, that could be one game. It could be the rest of the year. Who knows? But I think they're tight end who, if it's if it's Reed or Dwelly, uh, they – can be just because of the state of tight end, they can be worth rostering in fantasy, but it's getting pretty grim. And Marcus, I do want to thank you because in a super flex league, I was going back and forth all night last night, Nick Mullins or DeAndre Swift. And just before kickoff, I was like, let me let me run this by Marcus. And you <laughs> steered me in the right direction and told me to go with DeAndre Swift. I'm glad I could help. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> funny, you talk about that report about Jordan Reed. Kyle Shanahan is turning into the king of telling us things we should have known the day before, right? And, and like, <laughs> I, I, I say that jokingly, right? Because he's obviously not going to necessarily put out his entire game plan because, you know, the opponent has Twitter also. Um, but it is, it's, you know, we, we find out about Jarek McKinnon's tired legs after the fact. We find out about Jordan Reed's 10 snaps after the fact. So that that's a little bit frustrating. Um we're also we're not we're not advising to pick up Richie James, right? This was this was like a one week thing. We're not we're not buying into Richie James, are we? I'm not. I mean, he he played really well. He still had a couple of mistakes. Like he could have had an even bigger day, which is the scary part. He outscored Devontae Adams, but it's a one week thing. Like I, I'm not buying into this long term. 
he had more catches and yards last night uh, than he did all of last season. So that kind of gives you wow. a clue of, right? <laughs> That's, that gives you a clue about uh, Richie James and, and his status uh, within the offense. So, uh, all right. So the Packers still rolling along. The 49ers sort of regrouping, and, and we'll see what happens with that. In the meantime, uh, let's look at a couple of fantasy headlines, shall we? We'll start. With the Detroit Lions, uh, the report came out earlier this week that Matthew Stafford is on the reserve COVID-19 list. However, he could play this week against the Minnesota Vikings. He needs to test negative for the remainder of the week, and then the Lions will make a decision whether or not he'll be able to go. The first question here, though, is if you have Matthew Stafford, how are you trying to navigate this situation? Oh, if you have Matthew Stafford and you were planning on starting him this week, because I understand why. Like, Matthew Stafford hasn't been, you know, amazing in fantasy, but he's been consistent and playing better as of late. And the Vikings have given up a good amount of points to quarterbacks. But you should already have another quarterback on your roster because if he's out, you don't want to, you know, pick up his backup and just plug him in. Like, you want to – there's better options on the waiver wire. So I think that you 100% – should have a backup plan in place. And the same thing goes if you were planning on starting TJ Hawkinson or or maybe I think Hawkinson you could still use because it's tight end. But if you were planning on like streaming Marvin Jones Jr. this week, we'll have a backup plan in place because that's going to look a lot less appealing if Matt Stafford is out this week. So you're saying you're not uh, you're not excited about Chase Daniel or David Blau uh, as your fantasy <laughs> quarterback if, if it were to come to that. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I think that there's a reason we've been sort of advocating streamers this week. And look, we didn't know at the start of the week that this was going to be a thing. But we've been talking this week about Drew Locke, about Derek Carr, who's another good streaming option going up against the Chargers. So there are guys out there uh, that are likely available on, on some waiver wires that you can pick up and, and start in the event that Matthew Stafford does not go this week. So that's a thing just to kind of monitor. Uh, we'll certainly know a whole lot more on Saturday and probably get in, getting into Sunday morning uh, when we kind of have a definitive answer on what happens with Stafford. But it is wise just to sort of be prepared. And you talked about the pass catchers here, because I know a lot of people were sort of looking in the direction of, say, Marvin Jones or, or you know, Quintez Cephas. I know Adam Rank sort of likes as a deep sleeper this week. But uh, if there is no Stafford, or you, you are sort of pivoting away from these guys, right? Yeah, like I wrote about Marvin Jones in the Sleeper article this week, and I very much so would use him if Matthew Stafford is active. But if he is inactive, I think it just leads to a lot of question marks, right? Like that's a big downgrade in the quarterback play. And then it's also like with a different quarterback, we've seen this, Marcus, where a quarterback quarterback will come in off the bench or whatever, and he could have a rapport with a different receiver that we weren't really anticipating. So for me, it, it just becomes too much question marks around this team and their passing game for me to trust, you know, going deep with a guy like Marvin Jones. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, so that's, a, this is another one. Look, wide receiver, I feel like is a little bit easier to pivot from. And I know there are buys this week, so that might make it slightly more difficult, but it's a lot easier, I think, to find wide receiver help uh, than it is quarterback help and certainly tight end help. So uh, you, you mentioned Hawkinson earlier. You might sort of be locked into him because it's going to be hard to go out and at the last minute find better options. But uh, again, all of this will sort of shake out, I think, by the time we get to Sunday morning and you can make a, a more inf- informed decision. Uh, down to Miami, Matt Breida is dealing with a hamstring injury. And according to head coach Brian Flores, there's a chance he could play this week against the Cardinals. Now, 
if you listen to the reports or read the reports, you know, sometimes they say there's a chance a guy could play and it's more optimistic. This was more of, yeah, there's a chance he could play. Uh, it was not, it didn't seem quite as optimistic for Matt Breida. We know Miles Gaskin is currently on injured reserve, so he's not available. So that leaves a backfield of Jordan Howard, Patrick Laird, and Savan Ahmed, a guy who went to the University of Washington. Uh, any chance you would think about putting any of these guys in your lineup against Arizona? Sadly, yes. Like I have <laughs> leagues out there right now where I have I'm missing like Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard this week. I'm mixing I'm missing Boston Scott and Cream Hunt. Like in those leagues, I'm looking at the waiver wire. Jordan Howard is the best name still available <laughs> to pick up and plug in in their absence. And it, I I know it feels dirty to say, but I think this is a a week where there's going to be volume to be had there because. Again, it's Tua's second start, and we saw last week they really were not asking Tua to do much at all. I know their defense scored the two touchdowns, and they didn't really have to ask him, but I think that is going to be similar to their game plan this week. Like, I don't think they're going to ask Tua uh, to throw 40-plus times this week, especially since the strength of the Cardinals' defense is in that secondary. I think they're going to look to keep the game close, keep the ball out of Kyler Murray's hands, and you do that by grinding out the clock and running the ball. I know it's not you know, a, a sexy option for fantasy, but Jordan Howard could be looking at, I think, 15 plus touches this week. And I have no doubts that if they get a carry near the goal line, it's going to Jordan Howard. <laughs> I think Patrick Laird is just more of a deep league. You hope he catches a couple passes, but I think Howard is the name that, that fantasy owners should be looking at. Which sort of brings me back full circle to where I was in August, where I thought Jordan Howard was going to be kind of a nice mid-round value pick. And look, I, I admit that I was wrong about that because, you know, he, he was scoring touchdowns, but he was also getting, you know, one carry for two yards or two carries <laughs> for one yard and a touchdown. And um, it just wasn't enough to sustain you. So I, I have since you know, put him on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues. But I can tell myself a story where if you are in a need, like, like you talked about in your leagues, uh, that you can go back and get Jordan Howard and have him be a viable starter for you this week. So, um, yeah, we we have you know, time is a flat circle. That's what Rustin Cole told us uh, all those many years ago in True Detective. So here we are back to Jordan Howard again. So it, I know it's it's not appealing. It's not super exciting, but this is where we are. I'm also having flashbacks to last year where late in the season I was forced to start Patrick Laird at a couple of spots. And I, I don't feel great about that moment. Uh, but, but here we are. Here we are again. All right. Uh, today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs. So download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during sign-up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Salute to Service is the NFL's year-round effort to honor, empower, and connect with our nation's service members, veterans, and their families through long-standing partnerships that support our military community. The NFL, its clubs, and players thank all of our armed forces serving in the United States and around the world. Join the NFL and salute to service by visiting NFL.com slash salute. All right, time for some of our big questions heading into week nine and maybe the biggest one, the one that I think we have all been asking ourselves and being asked about is what's going on down in Tampa Bay. Antonio Brown is expected to be on the field this week for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, making his debut down there uh, alongside Tom Brady. They play with one game together uh, in, in New England. But uh, 
AB will be on the field now to throw a wrinkle into this. Chris Godwin is also expected to play this week. So that means it is a fully loaded complement of receivers that Brady has to throw to. With AB, though, what approach are you taking? Are you starting him this week? So I'm, I am I actually picked up AB in a good amount of leagues, and in most I am keeping him on the bench and taking a wait-and-see approach. There's one league where I'm struggling to fill my, my flex spot, and I might lean with Antonio Brown just because of his upside. Uh, I, I do think he's still, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Tom Brady tried to force him the ball, especially near the goal line, and he finished with double-digit fantasy points this week. But there's a lot of unknown here. Like, I had him in the wide receiver two range when it looked like Chris Godwin was going to be out just because of volume, but now it looks like Godwin is going to be ready to play again. And if so, I think that lowers Antonio Brown down to at least wide receiver three territory. He's a pure boomer bust option, in my opinion. Even Bruce Arians said he could play 10 snaps or he could play like the full allotment of snaps this week. So I don't think we really have any sense of Antonio Brown. The only since I think that, that we can really go off of Marcus, is that one game that you mentioned last year with Antonio Brown, Tom Brady was peppering him the ball. At, he played one game, and I think it took him, like, week 14 for anyone else on the team to surpass him in end zone <laughs> targets for the Patriot lead. Like, it was that many in one game. But there's more weapons here, so I think Antonio Brown is purely boomer bust. I really feel like that the answer you gave was sort of the answer that everybody's kind of leaning with, that if there was no Chris Godwin – we would all feel better about playing Antonio Brown. But now that it looks like Godwin is going to play, I think we're sort of pivoting away from AB and we are kind of taking that wait and see stance. I, I also go back to that game in New England last year. And I feel like we sort of pegged that one for what it was that when the Patriots got him in and got him on the field, that they wanted to get him up to speed and get him comfortable in that offense as soon as possible. So that was the reason they peppered him with targets because they knew they needed wide receiver help. This one is not so urgent that they can slowly work him in if they need to and not necessarily mess up the flow of the offense. Because as you mentioned, look, Godwin's going to be there and get targets. They still have to kind of feed Mike Evans at some point. Rob Gronkowski has become you know, a much more viable option. And they still have two running backs that they have to try to work into this one. So I don't see the same level of urgency to get Antonio Brown a ton of targets this week. So if you have that luxury – and look, if, if you went out and picked him up on the waiver wire – knowing that you were going to have to stash him for a couple of weeks, you probably have the luxury of waiting at least one more week. So I, I would tend to err on the side of caution, knowing that the guy who is the primary target in the offense is going to be there and that, you know, AB might have to take a little bit of a back seat, at least in the short term. Speaking of guys coming back, Christian McCaffrey is finally back after missing six weeks with a high ankle sprain. I know the Panthers were hoping Maybe to get him back last week, but with it being a Thursday night game, they figured, uh, you know, the, the phrase of the week, a phrase of the month, I guess, or year, out of an abundance of caution, they were going to sit him down. <laughs> but now he is back for a matchup against the Chiefs, which on paper isn't that great necessarily, but what should we expect from Christian McCaffrey in his return? Yeah, this is the opposite of Antonio Brown, right? Like, there's no doubt here, in my opinion, there's no question mark here like you have Christian McCaffrey you've waited since week two to get him back in your fantasy lineup you start him this week like I have him ranked as a top five running back uh, maybe he sees a little bit less work than normal but I it sounds like he's back at full health right like he was pushing to play last week but with it being a Thursday night game like you said and bad weather they were they were cautious and, and they held him out but he's been a full go all week at practice and 
everything out of from him and from Panthers camp just seems to be raving about how good he looks. Maybe Mike Davis eats in a little bit just to ease Christian McCaffrey back in, but I don't think it's enough to even downgrade McCaffrey outside the top five running backs. You probably spent the number one overall pick on Christian McCaffrey. You have been sort of patching holes in your lineup for him, with him, or waiting on him for the last six weeks. You're playing Christian McCaffrey. You don't you don't care what the matchup is. You're not you're not parsing this out. And and as Adam Rank would say, who are you going to play over him? You know what are you going to do? Are you going to go in and get JD McKissick and try to plug him in? Are you going to hope for DJ Dallas to, to you know get some extra touches? You're going to play Christian McCaffrey, and and you're just going to kind of live and die with whatever happens because you know this is this is what the situation is. I have enjoyed though that all the reports out of Carolina have been, well, what does he look like? And all the coaches are like he looks like Christian McCaffrey, like, and we all know what that means. <laughs> the best like, running okay. back in football. Yeah, exactly. We all know what that means. Like, okay, sweet, let's get him back in our lineups and, and let's go from there. The Bills, you know, they're, they're still playing good football. They're still, you know, it looks like they're on track to win the AFC East. But for fantasy, we have sort of been frustrated because Josh Allen has been scuffling for the last few weeks. The Patriots are, you know, they're not the same. They've got a good matchup this week, the Bills do, against the Seahawks, whose secondary has been struggling. Is this the Josh Allen bounce back game we've been waiting for? I think so. Uh, I mean, and, and it's long overdue. Like the first four weeks of the season, Josh Allen did not score less than 25 fantasy points in a game. The last four weeks, he has not scored 17 in a game. So it, it's just been a seat like a night and day uh, each of the first two months for Josh Allen. But the Seahawks allow the most fantasy points to quarterbacks. They allow the most passing yards by four by far. And it's been consistent. Like each week they're giving up a lot of production to the quarterback position. I don't expect that to change this week. I think uh, Josh Allen. And again, I think part of what helps him too is that the bills defense hasn't been what it was in, in recent years. So I'm still expecting Russell Wilson to do his thing and, and him and DK and Lockett to put up numbers, which makes me think that Josh Allen's going to have to throw even more to keep up with that offense. I, I completely agree with you. And throw in the fact that the Seahawks run defense has actually been pretty good, which means it might be a little bit tougher for Devin Singletary and Zach Moss to get going. And if Russ continues to cook the way he has been cooking, it is going to be incumbent on Josh Allen to throw the football and continue to kind of keep pace with that Seahawks offense this, this week. So I, I expect good things out of Josh Allen. I think, again, I think you've sort of been plugging him into your lineup, waiting for the kaboom to happen again. And I think this is the week that it, it finally happens back in your lineup. I have been told for a couple of years now that Marquise Brown is going to be a big thing. And I am still waiting for it to happen on a consistent basis. Like, you know, he'll have a couple of nice blow up games and then he'll have games where he gets, you know, like 17 yards or something like that. This past week, Lamar Jackson sort of said, look, this is on me that I'm not getting the ball to Marquise Brown enough that I got to get him more targets. I got to help him out a little bit. This week, they don't have a great matchup, but are you expecting that Lamar is going to make good on his promise and that maybe we see some more some more targets to Brown this week? First, I got to admit, like I was, I think one of the people driving the Marquise Brown hype train all, all summer long, I, I had high expectations for him and I felt great after week one. And it just, even the first like month of the season, like he was, if you look at percentages, right, like seeing a high percentage of targets and air yards and everything. But then when you look at the raw numbers, you're like, all right, yeah, he's seeing 30% of this team's targets, but that equals six targets per game. Like that's not a big number. And 
Part of me is is a little bit excited this week for Marquise Brown as kind of a last ditch. Like, let's see what he can do. Let's see if he has like a squeaky wheel type of game where he he expressed his frustration and now they're going to come out and game plan around him and make sure to get him the ball. But it's also not like they haven't been trying. Like, he is the third most targets of 20 plus air yards this year, but they're just not connecting on those. So I don't expect. Lamar Jackson to suddenly be like, all right, Marquise Brown, complain. Let me throw the ball to him better on these deep throws. Like, it's just an issue there. They haven't been connecting. I think what I'm hoping for and what I think if you have Marquise Brown, you have to be hoping for is that they design more plays closer to the line of scrimmage for him. Just get him the ball in space and let him use his speed because down the field, those throws just haven't been there this year. That's the point that I, that I am sort of looking at is – if they're just going to use him as a deep threat, he's always going to be sort of this boomer bust guy, right? He's going to be sort of Deshaun Jackson-ish, right? Where he will have those huge home run games. He'll also have some games where he just strikes out a lot. And I think that's sort of what we're seeing. If they can start using him in a more varied set of routes, uh, get him the ball in space, let him work, because he's he's just electric with the football in his hands, then I think we start to see more some more consistency from him. But as long as they're just sending him down the field and hoping that Lamar Jackson can hook up with him, we're going to continue to have that volatility. So uh, it's going to be interesting. The matchup, like I said, is not great against Indianapolis this week. So maybe maybe this is their opportunity to try some more creative things with him, and we'll see what happens. Um, but it's it's hard for me to want to ride that roller coaster on a week to week basis. Staying in the division, the Steelers have a dream matchup against the Cowboys this week. It is one of those that we're always picking on, uh, you know, when we're, we're setting our fantasy lineups. You look at their wide receivers, though, right? I mean, Deontay Johnson seems to be the number one guy there. Um, they've got Chase Claypool. The Juju Smith-Schuster still hanging around there. When you look at all these wide receivers, which one do you think has the best outlook? Because Ben Roethlisberger has been sort of spreading the ball around to all of them. Yeah, this Steelers passing game is just not what it once was. Like, it's spreading the ball out a lot more. They used to funnel it to one or two wide receivers, which was awesome. They also would throw the ball downfield more. Like, Big Ben is averaging a career low in air yards per target, and that's worrisome to me coming off of the the elbow injury that he suffered last year. But I think this week, and I feel like going forward, Deontay Johnson is the number one target here. Like, I tweeted last week a picture of, of a guy from SpongeBob in like a body cast and said like, this is Deontay Johnson this year because <laughs> every week it feels like he's leaving with a different injury, hamstring, toe, all these other things. But when he's healthy, he sees double digit targets each week. And, and the, the Cowboys off uh, defense, the one thing that they've been pretty good at this year is stopping slot receivers and Juju runs most of his routes out of the slot. So I don't love him as much this week. I have those two very close. And I will say, I think Chase Claypool is high upside. He had nine targets last week, but he has two really big games this year and the rest are just completely unusable in fantasy. So I think he's just purely boomer bust each week right now too. He is sort of sliding, like like we talked about with, with Hollywood Brown. He's kind of that, that home run hitter uh, that's going to strike out quite a few times. So if you plug him in and he gives you one of those big games, it's great. Otherwise, you're looking at a pretty bad number in, in your lineup. I, I'm with you that Deontay Johnson is sort of the receiver of choice there for Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, but it has been it's been a little bit hard to pick. I mean, maybe it's because we expected so much out of Juju this year and that hasn't really happened. And then we we got stars in our eyes over Chase Claypool in his couple of big games. But I do think that 
when it's all said and done, you know, Deontay Johnson has stepped in and has become the top wide receiver there in Pittsburgh. So uh, maybe maybe we should stop trying to make fetch happen with some of these other guys and just sort of <laughs> let it let it fall where it does uh, and understand that you know there's one guy there that that is the the one true guy you can sort of count on on uh, on a regular basis. For more analysis like that, uh, you can join me and Florio alongside Adam Rankin, Kimmy Checks. On Sunday mornings on NFL Fantasy Game Day, we'll have all the latest injury news. We'll have ads, drops, starts, sits, all of that kind of good stuff leading you right up until kickoff. We get started at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, and you can see us streaming on NFL.com in the NFL Fantasy app and YouTube as well. In fact, if you're watching it on YouTube, uh, Florio is there answering questions for you right up until about 15 minutes before kickoff. It's time for Best Value presented by DraftKings as we do every week about this time. We try to give you the most bang for your fantasy buck when you are setting your DFS lineups for the week. So sort of quarterback Florio, who is your best value in week nine? It is someone that I think I've overlooked a little bit in the past, but it's Derek Carr. Like he's playing really good football right now. He has scored over 19 fantasy points in four of his last six games, finished as a top 12 quarterback in two of his last three, and that bodes well for him because the Chargers have allowed a top 12 quarterback in four of their last six games. They're allowing the third most fantasy points to quarterbacks. And another thing that I don't think Carr gets enough credit for, Marcus, is he's using his legs a little bit more, right? Like he is between 19 and 41 rushing yards in four of his last six games. And I know you could be saying at home, like, 19 rushing yards, that's not a whole lot. But that's two additional, like, free bonus fantasy points you get. So they, they do matter, and I think it makes Carr a better value. I, I think especially that, that 19 or more fantasy points in two of the last three games is, is important because you're talking about um, – I'm talking about a, a value guy, right? And if you're talking to more, you know, more traditional leagues, a, a streaming quarterback, to get 19 points uh, is a pretty nice number, right? For a guy that, that's not considered an elite top-level quarterback. So if you can get that, then I think you sort of roll with that. And we saw last week what Drew Locke was able to do against the Chargers. I expected Derek Carr can sort of do that uh, against the Chargers as well. And you know, throwing the fact that. He's occasionally throwing the ball deep. Now that he's got Henry Ruggs there, that's always been the knock on him that he does not go downfield. But uh, it appears that he's doing that now that he's got a legitimate field stretcher in Ruggs. Uh, over to running back. Who's your value pick there? We're gonna we're on opposite ends of the spectrum here, Marcus. <laughs> I'm going with Melvin Gordon. So much of it is the matchup here against the Falcons. And the reason I went with Gordon over the guy you're going to pick, who I also do like this week, is because on the year... Melvin Gordon is the one that they trust and they have been using more in the passing game. And th that that is big this week because the Falcons are in the top five in, in catches allowed to running backs. So I think if this becomes a higher scoring game and we're getting a little bit more passing out of Drew Locke and this Broncos offense, like we many of us are expecting this week, I think it could be Melvin Gordon that gets, you know, four or five plus targets this week. And, and it helps give him a safe floor at just $5,300 on DraftKings. I, I, I'm going to go, like you mentioned, I'm going to go the other guy in that backfield <laughs> and go with Philip Lindsay because I, I think the matchup obviously is very good. Lindsay uh, is, you know, he's sort of a big play guy. I mean, you give him the football anytime and, and you have to watch out because he can go the distance with it. So 
my fear about this backfield all year long has been that it's going to be a hot hand situation, that one of these guys is going to have a good game, and that's going to be the guy. So this could go really either way, or because it's the Falcons' defense, both these guys could succeed. That is certainly within the realm of possibilities as well. Uh, so I just, I'm just i going to lean with Lindsey on this one here, but I think Melvin Gordon is equally a good choice, and the salaries are just about even there. So it's, it's a value, I think, either way uh, that you go. Uh, over to wide receivers, uh, I, I look at this one and I, I like it. I'm saying I'm not saying you're a homer. I think I think this is a smart pick here at wide receiver. Thank you. I'm going with Cole Beasley of the Buffalo Bills. Yes, I am a Bills fan, but it has everything to do with the matchup here, right? Like Seattle is allowing the most, by far, most fantasy points and receiving yards to wide receivers. But taking it even a step further. They've allowed a top 12 wide receiver in every single game this year. So you may be saying, all right, well, that means Stephon Diggs is a great play this week. But they've also allowed a second wide receiver to finish as a top 25 fantasy receiver in all but two games this year. So I think there's going to be production from someone outside of Stephon Diggs. And I think it is Beasley as the slot has been a big weakness for Seattle. They've allowed the most fantasy points two receivers lined up in the slot, the most yards and Cole Beasley has just low-key been pretty reliable outside of last week when people started to take notice of him. Uh, but before that, you know, like he's on pace for just under 1,000 yards this year, 80 catches. He, he's just a reliable option each week, and I think this week he has more upside than usual. I'm going to stay in that Denver-Atlanta game, and I'm going to go with Jerry Judy. And we're still waiting, I think, for the real true Jerry Judy breakout game, and I do think that it could come this week. I like Drew Locke as a streamer in more traditional leagues. I've said that all week long, and I think he's going to start spreading the ball around and trying to get the rookie more involved. Uh, we've seen him make some really nice plays occasionally. We know how much the Falcons secondary has struggled, and this could be a game that sees a lot of points in both directions. So I think Judy is primed to have the, the big game we have been waiting all season for him to have. Uh, look, let's let's we talk about tight ends. We might as well just stay in Denver, right? I mean, it makes the most sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, we have Broncos at basically every position this week. I'm going with Noah Fant here. I know 4,600 isn't a huge value, but I think once you get outside, you know that, like, if you're not paying up for Travis Kelsey, all the other tight ends are kind of similarly priced. And, and Fant has been seeing targets go his way each week. He, he's in the top seven in target share amongst tight ends. His fantasy production has been much better with Drew Locke than with the other quarterbacks. And the Falcons are allowing the most fantasy points per game to tight ends. So I think it's just the opportunity plus a good matchup there makes him a really strong play this week. I'm going with a deeper dive here, and I'm going with Jordan Akins for the Houston Texans. And I know he's not a name that immediately springs to mind when you talk about the tight end position, but when he's been healthy, he has been the number one tight end in that Houston Texans offense. And I think this is an opportunity for him to go out and sort of get back into the rhythm he was having. Look, when he played earlier in the season, he was third on the team in targets. So Deshaun Watson was looking his way quite a bit. He's been out for some time because uh, of multiple injuries that he's been suffering, but he's going to be back this week. And he's got, but I think it's a very good matchup against the Jaguars, who's given up seven touchdowns to tight ends at second most so far in the league. So uh, you, you may not have thought about him. You might not know who he is, but Jordan Akins is the name that uh, you know, is worth plugging in, at least in some spots, just sort of for the upside potentially and the flexibility he gives you roster-wise. Uh, over to the defense there. What's your, uh, what's your value defense for the week? I'm going with the Houston Texans, and they are a defense that I've picked up in a bunch of regular like seasonal leagues, and I'm streaming them there as well. The 
The Jaguars offense has not been anything to write home about outside of James Robinson all year. And now they're taking out Garner Minshew and we're, we're getting sixth round pick Jake Luton making his first NFL start. Such an unknown at the NFL level. And, and we've already heard him talking about like, what it's going to be like having like J.J. Watt try to chase him down and stuff. I, I'm not saying the moment's going to be be too big for the kid or anything like that, but when it's such an unknown in an offense that's already been struggling this year, I think that there's an opportunity that the Texans defense can have a big fantasy day. I, I like that, especially because of the change at quarterback. I, I'm going to go with the Washington football team this week. Uh, their defense has been playing pretty well all year, but the biggest reason is they're – taking on the Giants here, and there's one thing we know that Daniel Jones still struggles with the turnover. It, it, the, the streak is lengthy for him in terms of turning the football over, and, and I think that is where Washington can make some hay there. You know, here's the thing. On the flip side, the Giants' defense might not be a terrible start either going against the Washington <laughs> offense just because uh, they're prone to give up sacks and turnovers as well. So the defense is on both sides of this thing. Uh, could end up being fairly productive, but I'm going to plug Washington in uh, as my value pick this week. All right, there you go. That was Best Value presented by DraftKings. It's time for Best of the Pack presented by Panini Trading Cards, where every week we open a pack of Panini Trading Cards and uh, we tell you who is you know the best in there and we kind of talk about them a little bit. So let's start with a running back here. It's James Conner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We talked about the Steelers passing game a little bit earlier in the show, but... Connor, he gets to face the Dallas Cowboys this week. How high do you have him ranked? He was my RB5 before I had to put Christian McCaffrey back in the top five and knocking him out. But he is very much so an RB1 for me this week. The, the Cowboys defense, we know they've given up a ton of points all year, a ton of yards. But I, I think this is their offense would at least keep games competitive and make teams have to throw against them. That I am not expecting to be the case this week. It hasn't been uh, since really Dak's gone down. And with if I'm expecting the Steelers to be playing with the lead throughout, I think it's going to be a lot of riding James Conner in the second half. I feel like this is going to be, you know, some some Ben Roethlisberger throwing the football early, watching the Steelers get out to a lead. And then third and fourth quarter, they just sort of grind this thing out. Uh, the hope would be, if you have James Conner, that they stay with Conner the whole time and that they don't at some point pull him and go to Benny Snell late in the game. But uh, I do think that this is a big, big game coming uh, for the Steelers running back. All right, next. Uh, let's go Hunter Henry, tight end for the Los Angeles Chargers. It seems like Justin Herbert coming in has elevated just about everybody except really Hunter Henry. Um, he's the tight end, I think, 15 right now, which doesn't really necessarily mean a whole lot considering the state of the position. But how are you feeling about Hunter Henry now versus maybe how you felt about him in the preseason? Not great. Like, I thought <laughs> Hunter Henry uh, was one of the tight ends that had a, the, the upside to take that next step and be, you know, I'm not saying like be what Darren Waller was or Mark Andrew was last year, but similar to that, you know, like a tight end that you can stream, like that you could start every single week and not really have to worry about the position. And the first couple of weeks, it looked like he would be, but in three of his last four games, he scored less than eight fantasy points. He has just one touchdown all year. Keenan Allen is getting force-fed the ball by Justin Herbert every single week. Mike Williams is more involved now, and that's hurting Hunter Henry. I, I get it. You, you can't, like, drop him because of the state of tight end, but I don't think that he is a guy that you just you plug in your lineup and don't question each and every week. Like, I think there's better options some weeks, and right now I don't even think I have him ranked as a tight end one this week. In the preseason, he was one of those mid-round tight ends that I didn't necessarily feel great about. 
but I also felt like of those sort of mid-range tight ends that maybe he was the one with the best outlook. And I will admit that maybe this is some of the residue of how I felt about him coming out of college where I liked him and I thought he was a good fit. And I've been waiting for the big breakout season. The first couple of years, he was still kind of sharing time and targets with Antonio Gates. Then once Gates, Gates left, then Henry gets hurt and he's dealt with injuries. And now he's healthy and he's in there with a quarterback throwing the football well, and it just still isn't working out. So maybe this just is who Hunter Henry is going to be in the NFL. And, and I am just, I will say that I'm, I'm kind of disappointed. Maybe I didn't expect the moon. I wasn't expecting him to be a top five tight end, but I was expecting more than we've gotten this year. And uh, it's a little bit frustrating, especially because like I said, Justin Herbert's been so good for so many other Chargers pass catchers. He just he just hasn't really been good for Hunter Henry. All right, uh, our last we're, one. We're, we're chasing the ghost of Antonio Gates we in are. this offense. We, we <laughs> absolutely are. Maybe Hunter Henry should have played basketball. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> that's what he's missing. I think I think yeah. we're on to it. Yeah, he didn't play basketball. Uh, all right, our last one here. LaVisca Chenault for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, and this is a guy that I know that I've loved all season long and has had some – some nice moments. Uh, you talked about Jake Luton coming in to start at quarterback this week. How much of an effect is that going to have on Chenault's usage and production? I could definitely see it leading to some more carries for Chenault, as I'm expecting the Jaguars to rely heavily on their run game, James Robinson, and we know that Chenault will get involved there, here or there. The targets, I'm not totally sure of, because they've been up and down already this year. I With a new quarterback, again, the passing tendencies, we don't know who his favorite target is going to be exactly. So I, I'm not saying give up on Chenault, but right now like I'm taking a wait-and-see approach with him before getting him back in my lineup. I, If I have him, I don't think I'm dropping him. And I know he's not rostered in a ton of leagues right now, but if I have him, I'm, I'm still holding on to him just because he does have that, that jack-of-all-trades appeal. But I'm with you. Until we get a sense of how this offense works with Jake Luton, or whatever their option is going to be, because I, I'm I'm not certain that Luton is going to be the starter for the rest of the year. I mean, Minshew could come back and and take that job once he's healthy again. Uh, I do want to see exactly what they're doing with Chenault. I feel like he's sort of, I guess the best comparison I'd have for him now is sort of what the, the Panthers are doing with Curtis Samuel, right? Where they're using him in a lot of different ways. And maybe he'll have that big game like Samuel did on Thursday night a couple weeks ago. Uh, but I, I don't think it's going to happen regularly enough, and I don't know that I, that I feel confident enough, especially against the the Chiefs this, or against the the Texans this week, uh, to give him a start. So uh, I would I would probably hold off on keeping him in my lineup. All right, it's time now for one of my favorite segments, Ask a Nerd, where we go to our pal Matt Okada and we ask him to kind of dive deep and come up with some good research nuggets for us. This week, we asked our resident nerd about the best single game quarterback performances since the year 2000. What do you got for us, Matt? Thanks, Marcus. Ask a Nerd has been on a roll foreshadowing big fantasy games, so let's make it a three-peat as we tackle the top five single game fantasy performances by a quarterback this millennium. At number five, we start with a big game for Big Ben Roethlisberger, who posted 44.8 fantasy points against the Colts in Week 8, 2014. Big Ben threw for 522 yards, tying Boomer Esiason for fourth most in NFL history, and added six touchdowns. Number four might be a bit of a surprise. It's former Eagles legend Nick Foles. Foles tied the NFL record with seven touchdown passes in Week 9, 2013 against the Raiders, adding 406 yards for a total of 45.2 fantasy points. 
Number three on our list is Aaron Rodgers and his 45.9 fantasy points, but not entirely for the reasons you might expect. Rodgers had only 408 yards and four scores through the air, along with the only interception on our list, but added 36 yards and two scores as a runner versus the Broncos in week four, 2011, amidst his MVP season. Coming in at number two is Peyton Manning in the first game of what would become the greatest passing season in NFL history. In week one, 2013, Manning became another member of the exclusive seven TD club and added 462 yards against the reigning Super Bowl champion Ravens for a final mark of 46.3 fantasy points. And finally, at number one, we journey back to week 10, 2010 to watch our second Eagles QB, the electric Michael Vick, put up 49.3 fantasy points against Washington. Not surprisingly, Vic did most of his work on the ground with 80 yards and two TDs, but he also added 333 yards and four TDs through the air. That's it for week nine of Ask a Nerd. Good luck to your starting QB this week, and may the fantasy points be with you. Thank you, Matt. Good stuff as always. And, you know, the last couple weeks we've done this, uh, it has led to some, some big performances. I mean, two weeks ago we talked about wide receivers, and Tyler Lockett blew up. Uh, last week we talked about running backs, and it was uh, Dalvin Cook who blew up. So yeah, Matt's been kind of on a roll. Uh, so let, let's, let's kind of do this conversation the way we have. Let's see if we can keep this going. If you could pick a quarterback who's been drafted since the year 2000 for your fantasy squad, who would it be? Marcus, this was one I didn't have to look up like stats or anything for. I went with my heart. I went with the player who really made me fall in love with football. I, I'm going with Peyton Manning. Uh, he was just, for me, like a Bills fan growing up rooting against Tom Brady. I was always on like the Peyton Manning side of that rivalry, but I don't know. It was just so much fun to watch Peyton all the time. And like one year I drafted him, he had the neck surgery. My team, my season was over before it started, but then another, he made up for it. I drafted him. I had him on that big week one game he had uh, that you saw in Matt Okada. I had him, No Sean Marino, and Eric Decker on a team rewrote like all the scoring records for that league. And uh, it was just one of the most fun years I had in fantasy and just, Peyton Manning gave me so many good memories. I'm going with him. All right, so I, I might be more prisoner of the moment, but I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes just because the, the guy's been so lights out just since taking over the starting job there in Kansas City. I mean, he's uh, we've gotten to the point that we're talking about drafting him in the second or third round in fantasy leagues. We expect he's going to go out and give us huge numbers every week to the point that when you, know, you only get 20 points out of Patrick Mahomes, we look around and we're like, What's wrong? Like, what happened? What what went wrong with Mahomes this week? So, uh, yeah, maybe it is some recency bias going on here, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Patty Mahomes and and have him. You know, nothing wrong with Peyton, certainly, uh, but I'm gonna go I'm gonna go more recent vintage, if you will. Uh, okay, so since we talked about you know guys overall, and I mentioned some of the guys recently that have had blow up games after we've done Ask a Nerd, if there's a quarterback this week that could you know, have one of these all time top five games, who do you think it's gonna be? I'm going with Kyler Murray here. Uh, he scored 21 fantasy points in every single game this year. So the floor for him to have like a big game is already there. And I think with no Kenyon Drake, we're already seeing like, like Kyler Murray is their goal linebacker and he's running a bunch. But with no Drake this week, maybe he runs even more than he has been. And that leads to a lot of fantasy points very quickly. So I'm going to go with Kyler Murray. I'm going to go Deshaun Watson here. Uh, he's had a string of four straight games of over 300 yards. He's uh, had two or more touchdown passes in five straight games. And the, the Texans' defense is not particularly good. Now, I know the Jaguars' offense, as we've talked about, 
isn't necessarily going to go out and put up 35, 40 points. Who knows? But I do think the defense will sort of put Deshaun Watson in a situation where he has to throw the football. And maybe he celebrates a little bit more because they didn't trade his number one target in Will Fuller. So I think if there's a, a guy – plus, look, there's still the, the running option too for, for Deshaun. He's had three straight games with 25 or more rushing yards as well. So there's some some extra points in there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Deshaun Watson uh, as the guy who is, uh, who's going to be the – uh, the big-time quarterback for you this week. Is there a game in particular that you're looking forward to watching uh, NFL-wise this week? Um, well, I, I'm very biased in saying Bill Seahawks. Uh, that is one <laughs> that that I am very excited for. Uh, besides that, uh, Saints-Bucks. I mean, seeing Antonio mm. Brown, what what's going to come from that offense, that's one that I will be watching very closely. Yeah, I think that Saints-Bucks game is going to be a, a lot of fun to watch. I mean, we saw it week one, but now these teams have had a time to sort of get uh, accustomed with one another and kind of get in a rhythm. And the Antonio Brown factor, I think, is going to going to make it very interesting. All right, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy sh- Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, two wrongs don't make a right, but three lefts do. Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, and we will see you on Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. 
Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.